Warning, this episode will contain explicit content. This may be offensive to children under the age of 18. Also, this may be offensive to some adults as well. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Views and the Views, the music podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Kim. And this is episode 52. Today we're going to be talking about PMRC. This is part four. Buzz the Senate hearing part three, the Frank Zappa testimony. Before we do, let's find out what is... This day in music history. Today is June 7th, 2019. And in... 1939, Larry Clinton and his orchestra recorded... In a Persian market and in 1969, the Johnny Cash Show makes its debut on ABC TV with special guests Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell appearing on the first show from Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, along with the regular cast, Tennessee Three, June Carter and the Carter family, Statler Brothers and Carl Perkins stepping in for Luther Perkins, who has just died accidentally in a house fire. Dylan sang Threw It All Away and Living the Blues and duetted with Johnny Cash on Girl from the North Country and Blind Faith, a supergroup featuring Steve Winwood and Eric Clapton play their first show, a free concert at Hyde Park in London. Tommy James and the Shandells released the song Crystal Blue Persian from the album Crimson Crimson and Clover. Thanks, Persuasion. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Who's fourth album, Tommy, entered the UK chart, peaking at number two, one of two full-scale rock operas from The Who, the other being the 1973 Quadrophenia. The double album tells a loose story about a deaf, dumb, and blind boy who becomes the leader of a mis- Masonic movement. Tommy was the first musical work to be billed overtly as a rock opera and in 1979 the irs changes chuck changes chart i sorry that's supposed to be charges chuck berry with three counts of tax evasion just hours later he performs for president carter on the front lawn of the white house berry later pled guilty and was ordered to perform a series of benefit shows after serving four months in prison. And Side, in uh, station break, station break, station break, station, station break, break, station break. Holy, are you really effing kidding me? So the IRS charges him on three counts of tax evasion, and then just hours later, he's performing at the White House on the front lawn for President Carter. Yeah. It's, and i tell you one thing. If that had been me, i had been giving the two middle fingers. Well, yeah. Anyways. Go ahead. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. And in? 2009, after performing the Poison hit Nothing But a Good Time at the Tony Awards, Brett Michaels has a run-in with the set, and the set wins. He cuts his lip and fractures his nose in the incident. Also in 2009, we lost Kenny Rankin, a pop singer and songwriter who passed away at age 69 from lung cancer three weeks after being diagnosed. Last week in music news. I was just going to spit that out. That's okay. All right, May 30th, Avenged Sevenfold, selling gear on Reverb 
shop featuring more than 20 pieces of gear and memorabilia. Proceeds will be going to the Notes for Notes organization, a nonprofit group that builds, equips, and staffs after school recording studios inside boys and girls clubs. The Reverb Avenged Sevenfold sale starts on June 4th. Again, this is June 7th, so you this has only been going on for three days. So again, you go to the Reverb Avenged Sevenfold uh, band page, or yeah, Avenged Sevenfold's band page. Uh, you can currently visit the band's reverb page to register to be notified when the sale goes live. Obviously, the, the sale has already gone live. So go check out Avenged Sevenfold on Reverb. I think it's Reverb.com. And you'll be able to see what items, what memorabilia, and also gear they have for sale. May 31st, master tapes of Beastie Boys classics, classic license to ill have disappeared, according to Mike D. on Sunday night's episode of his Benefits One show. Benefits? Oh, Beats One show. Echo Chamber. Beastie Boys member Mike D. revealed to Q-Tip that no one can find the masters to the hip-hop group's debut album. No, and I quote, no license to ill. We don't have license to ill, like nobody can find it. I'm not even lying, end quote, he said on air when the rapper asked him about the album. Q-Tip, who appeared on the Beastie Boys track Get It Together, pointed fingers at the group's label Def Jam, saying, and I quote, you know that Def Jam crap is off. Nobody can find anything. Rick Rubin doesn't have any of it, end quote. And I quote, no, literally nobody can find it, end quote. Mike D said, not all of the group's original recordings have suffered the same in ignoble fate. According to Mike, the original tapes of Paul's Boutique, the group's second studio album, have been preserved since its release in 1989. June 1st, the D.O. Returns Hologram Show on Sunday, June 2nd at the Palladium in St. Petersburg, Florida is canceled. Due to the size and scope of the production, the show cannot go on as planned. The booking agents are working closely with the producers of the tour to find a new date, new date at an alternative venue. Tickets purchased will be refunded at point of purchase. As an alternative, the DO returns. Organizers are offering patron, patrons the opportunity to attend the Orlando, Orlando show on Saturday, June 1st. Tickets purchased for the Palladium show will be honored at the Plaza Live. The new Ronnie James Dio hologram kicked off a month-long U.S. tour last night, Friday, May 31st, at Barber B-Man Performing Arts Hall in Fort Myers, Florida. The Dio hologram production uses audio of Ronnie's live performances from throughout his career with the Dio Disciples band playing live, consisting of Simon Wright on drums, Craig Goldie on guitar, Scott Warren on keyboards, Bjorn England on bass, and Bjorn England on bass. Also appearing with them are former Judas Priest senior Tim Ripper Owens and ex-Lynch Mob frontman Ani Logan. In his review of last night's show, Fort Myers News press writer 
Charles Runners wrote, and I quote, hologram Dio never really felt real. His mouth didn't quite sync with Dio's recorded awe-inspiring vocals lifted from various live Dio concerts. His movements looked too herky-jerky, maniac, and nonstop to feel like, to feel lifelike. The whole thing lacked the, that hard to nail down and the whole thing lacked that hard to nail down but immediately recognizable spark of life it didn't help that the hologram was set all the way to the back of the stage behind the band making the always short deal appear even shorter almost elf like hey he did play in a band called elf end quote the legendary heavy metal senior died in 2010 at the age of 67 from stomach cancer his hologram made its debut at the Wacken Open Air Festival in August 2016 in front of more than 75,000 fans after the tour's initial seven-date run was completed in December 2017. Ronnie's hologram underwent some changes before launch of the 2019 leg of the DR Returns World Tour. Hologram production company iIllusion, or iIllusion, which created the Dio hologram recently signed with the Agency for the Performing Arts, or APA, represented by agency partner Steve Martin. And June 2nd, Taylor Swift goes full rainbow for Pride Month at L.A. Wango Tango Show. June 3rd, hold off the iTunes obituaries. Apple's iTunes store is remaining in place and the iTunes software for Windows will live on. Here's what the tech giant announced at its 2019 Worldwide Developers Conference on Monday with the introduction of the Mac OS X 10.15, codename Catalina. The iTunes software application will disappear from the Mac, replaced with dedicated apps for Apple Music, which will manage songs that users have purchased, downloaded, or ripped from CDs, Apple TV, and and Apple Podcasts. That created confusion with many users assuming everything iTunes related is going to going by the wayside, which isn't the case. Apple clarified that the iTunes Store app for iOS will continue to be the place for iPhone and iPad users to purchase and download music, as well as buy or rent movies and TV shows. Alternately, owners of iOS devices can use the Apple TV app to purchase or rent movies and TV shows, as well as subscriptions to third-party channels like HBO and the Apple TV Plus subscription service that's slated to debut in the fall of 2019. Meanwhile, the iTunes app will continue to be the home for media for Microsoft Windows users for the time being anyway, as well as those on older versions of Mac, of Mac OS. Again, the change announced Monday affects only Mac users who move to the Mac OS Catalina operating system. Even with the elimination of the iTunes software for Mac OS, the iTunes store will still be accessible. Users can get into the iTunes store from the music app by selecting view and then to show iTunes store, which will be displayed in the finder sidebar. June 4th, Skid Row came crashing into the spotlight at the tail end of the 80s with their debut self-titled record. And to commemorate its 30th anniversary, singer Sebastian Bach will be performing it in its entirety. 
on an upcoming tour. The run kicks off August 29th in Nashville, Tennessee at the Mercy Lounge. Okay, and what we're going to do right now is we're going to give you all of the shows that are scheduled for this. So like she just said, August 29th at, in Nashville. August 30th, we'll be at Anderson, South Carolina at William A. Floyd Amphitheater. August 31st is Charlotte, North Carolina at Amos South End. September 2nd, Huntsville, Alabama at Sidetracks Music Hall. September 3rd, Columbus, Ohio at Scully's. September 4th, Cleveland, Ohio at Fantasy. September 6th, Stafford Springs, Connecticut at Palace Theater. September 7th, Block Island, Rhode Island at Ballard's. That is an afternoon show. Lacona. Oh, September 9th, Lacona, New Hampshire at Granite State Music Hall. September 10th, Hampton Beach, New Hampshire at Wally's. September 11th, Portland, Maine at Aurora. September 13th, Harrison, Ohio at the Blue Note. September 14th, Flint, Michigan at the Machine Shop. September 15th, Grand Rapids, Michigan at the Intersection. September 18th. Kansasville, Wisconsin at 1175. September 19th, St. Louis, Missouri at Del Mar Hall. September 20th, Lombard, Illinois at Brower House. September 21st, Dubuque, Iowa at Q Casino. September 22nd, Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky at Manchester Music Hall. September 25th, New York, New York at Sony Hall. September 26th, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania at XL Live. September 27th, Lynchburg, Virginia at Phase 2. September 28th, Waterloo, New York at the Vine at Del Lago. September 29th, Warndale, Pennsylvania at Jurgles. October 1st, Atlanta, Georgia at Variety Playhouse. October 3rd, Wichita, Kansas at Wave. October 5th. Golden, Colorado at Dirty Dogs Roadhouse. That, that is outdoor. October 6th, Albuquerque, New Mexico at Sunshine Theater. October 10th, Ramona, California at Ramona Main Stage. October 11th and 12th, Los Angeles, California at the Whiskey A Go Go. October 17th, Roswell, New Mexico at Liberty Theater. October 18th, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma at Diamond Ballroom. October 19th, Waco, Texas at The Backyard. October 20th, Dallas, Texas at the Gas Monkey Bar and Grill. October 22nd, Houston, Texas at House of Blues. October 23rd, San Antonio, Texas at the Aztec Theater. August 24th, or August. I meant October 24th, Corpus Christi, Texas at House of Rock. October 25th, Lafayette, Louisiana at the District. October 26th, Miramar Beach, Florida at Village Door Music Hall. October 28th, Miami, Florida at the Chris, the Chris, Kiss Cruise Pre-Party at Doubletree. October 30th, Orlando, Florida at Hard Rock. October 31st, Savannah, Georgia at Victory North. November 1st, Fort Myers, Florida at the ranch. And November 2nd, Pinellas Park, Florida at England Brothers Park. 
Those who don't remember the track listing for Skid Row's debut album, these songs will be the songs played in album order. Number one, Big Guns. Number two, Sweet Little Sister. Number three, Can't Stand the Heartache. Number four, Piece of Me. Number five, 18 in Life. Number six, Rattlesnake Shake. Number seven, Youth Gone Wild. Number eight, Here I Am. Number nine, Making a Mess. Number 10, I Remember You. And number 11, Midnight Tornado. And June 5th, Marin Morris and Stevie Nicks lent their vocals to Sheryl Crow's new single, Prove You Wrong, which will impact country radio on June 17th. The new single will be featured on Cheryl's upcoming day duets album, Threads, which is set to be released this summer. Now, music purchases this week. So this week, while we have purchased five lots of 24, five lots of 24 vinyls each and had a purchase at Goodwill last week on Friday, May 31st, 2019, we decided not to include music purchases this week. However, there is a video on YouTube of the said purchases from last Friday. Also, next week, we will be getting back to the music purchases of the week. So, with that being said, everything we have purchased so far at Goodwill and the five lots from eBay, you will be hearing about them real soon. Um, but also, they will, there will be accompanying videos on our YouTube channel. Now, let's move on. Here is your second warning. This part of the episode may be offensive to some people and not suitable for children under the age of 18. Listener discretion is advised. Now, let's get to our main topic. PMRC Part 4, Senate Hearing Part 3, Frank Zappa Testimony. After Frank's Frank's testimony, you will hear from Kim and I while we provide our opinion what Frank has to say, then we'll hear from the Senate committee members either asking questions and or providing statements to Mr. Zappa. With that being said, take it away, Chairman Danforth. John Denver is on the witness list. He has had to uh, leave the hearing room for another engagement. He plans to be back. Uh, So the next witness will be Mr. Frank Zappa. Mr. Zappa, thank you very much for being with us. Please proceed. Okay, my name is Frank Zappa. This is my attorney, Larry Stein, from Los Angeles. Can you hear me? Could you, if you could speak very directly and clearly into the microphone, I'd appreciate it. Okay, my name is Frank Zappa. This is my attorney, Larry Stein. Um, the statement that I prepared that I sent you 100 copies of is five pages long, so I have shortened it down, and I'm going to read a condensed version of it. Certain things have happened. Uh, I've been listening to the uh, event in the other room, and I've heard some conflicting reports as to whether or not people in this committee want legislation. I understand that Mr. Hollings does from his comments. Is that correct? I, just, I, I think you better concentrate on your testimony rather than asking questions the, of the, the reason committee. The I need Mr. to ask it because if it, I have to change something in my testimony if, so, if there is not a clear-cut version of whether or not yeah. legislation is what is being discussed here. So, Do the best I mean, you can because I, I don't think anybody here can characterize Mr. Holl- Senator Hollings' position. Okay. Well, I'll carry on with the uh, 
the issue then. First thing I, I might help out, Jim, out just a little bit, if I might, for 1956. Yes. This is one senator that might be interested in legislation and or regulation uh, to some extent uh, recognizing the problems with free right of expression and my previously expressed views that I don't believe I should be telling other people what they have to listen to. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that the suggestion made by the original panel was some kind of an arrangement uh, for voluntarily policing this in the music industry is the correct way to go. Mm -hmm. So if it'll help you out in your testimony, uh, I might join Senator Hollings in or others in some kind of legislation and or regulation unless the free enterprise system, uh, both the producers and you as the performers, uh, see fit to clean up your act. Okay, thank you. Then I, okay, so that's hardly voluntary. Uh, first thing I would like to do, because I know there is some foreign press involved here and they might not understand what the issue is about, one of the things the issue is about is the, the uh, First Amendment to the Constitution. And I, it's short, and I'd like to read it so they will understand. It says, Congress shall make no, no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That's for reference. These are my personal observations and opinions. I speak on behalf of no group or professional organization. The PMRC proposal is an ill-conceived piece of nonsense which fails to deliver any real benefits to children, infringes the civil liberties of people who are not children, and promises to keep the courts busy for years dealing with the interpretational and enforcemental problems inherent in the proposal's design. It is my understanding that, in law, First Amendment issues are decided with a preference for the least restrictive alternative. In this context, the PMRC demands are the equivalent of treating dandruff by decapitation. No one has forced Mrs. Baker or Mrs. Gore to bring Prince or Sheena Easton into their homes. Thanks to the Constitution, they are free to buy other forms of music for their children. Apparently, they insist on purchasing the works of contemporary recording artists in order to support a personal illusion of aerobic sophistication. Ladies, please be advised, the $8.98 purchase price does not entitle you to a kiss on the foot from the composer or performer in exchange for a spin on the family Victrola. Taken as a whole, the complete list of PMRC demands reads like an instruction manual for some sinister kind of toilet training program to housebreak all composers and performers because of the lyrics of a few. Ladies, how dare you? The ladies' shame must be shared by the bosses of the major labels who, through the RIAA, chose to bargain away the rights of composers, performers, and retailers in order to pass HR 2911, the blank tape tax a private tax levied by an industry on consumers for the benefit of a select group within that industry. Is this a consumer issue? You bet it is. The major record labels need to have HR 2911 whiz through a few committees before anybody smells a rat. One of them is chaired by Senator Thurman. Is it a coincidence that Mrs. Thurman is affiliated with the PMRC? I can't say she's a member because the PMRC has no members. Their secretary told me on the phone last Friday that the PMRC has no members, only founders. I asked how many other DC wives are non-members of an organization that raises money by mail 
has a tax-exempt status and seems intent on running the Constitution of the United States through the family paper shredder. I asked, if, I asked her if it was a cult. Finally, she said she couldn't give me an answer and that she had to call their lawyer. While the wife of the Secretary of Treasury recites, gonna drive my love inside you, and Senator Gore's wife talks about bondage, an oral sex at gunpoint on the CBS Evening News, people in high places work on a tax bill that is so ridiculous, the only way to sneak it through is to keep the public's mind on something else. Porn rock. Is the basic issue morality? Is it mental health? Is it an issue at all? The PMRC has created a lot of confusion with improper comparisons between song lyrics, videos, record packaging, radio broadcasting, and live performances. These are all different mediums, and the people who work in them have a right to conduct their business without trade-restraining legislation whipped up like an instant pudding by the wives of Big Brother. Is it proper that the husband of a PMRC non-member founder person sits on any committee considering business pertaining to the blank tape tax or his wife's lobbying organization? Can any committee thus constituted find facts in a fair and unbiased manner? This committee has three that we know about, Senator Danforth, Senator Packwood, and Senator Gore. For some reason, they seem to feel there is no conflict of interest involved. Children in the vulnerable age bracket have a natural love for music. If, as a parent, you believe they should be exposed to something more uplifting than sugar walls, support music appreciation programs in schools. Why haven't you considered your child's need for consumer information? Music appreciation costs very little compared to sports expenditures. Your children have a right to know that something besides pop music exists. It is unfortunate that the PMRC would rather dispense governmentally sanitized heavy metal music than something more uplifting. Is this an indication of PMRC's personal taste or just another manifestation of the low priority this administration has placed on education for the arts in America? The answer, of course, is neither. You can't distract people from thinking about an unfair tax by talking about music appreciation. For that, you need sex, and lots of it. The establishment of a rating system, voluntary or otherwise, opens the door to an endless parade of moral quality control programs based on things certain Christians don't like. What if the next bunch of Washington wives demands a large yellow J on all material written or performed by Jews in order to save helpless children from exposure to concealed Zionist doctrine? Record ratings are frequently compared to film ratings. Apart from the quantitative difference, there is another that is more important. People who act in films are hired to pretend. No matter how the film is rated, it won't hurt them personally. Since many musicians write and perform their own material and stand by it as their art, whether you like it or not, an imposed rating will stigmatize them as individuals. How long before composers and performers are told to wear a festive little PMRC armband with their scarlet letter on it? Bad facts make bad law, and people who write bad laws are, in my opinion, more dangerous than songwriters who celebrate sexuality, freedom of speech, freedom of religious thought, and the right to due process for composers, performers, and retailers are imperiled if the PMRC and the major labels consummate this nasty bargain. Are we expected to give up Article I so the big guys can collect an extra dollar on every blank tape and 10 to 25% on tape recorders? What's going on here? Do we get to vote on this tax? 
I think that this whole matter has gotten completely blown out of proportion, and I agree with uh, Senator Exxon that there is a very dubious reason for having this event. And I also agree with Senator Exxon that you shouldn't be wasting time on stuff like this because from the beginning I have sensed that it is somebody's hobby project. Now, I've done a number of interviews on television and people keep saying, can't you take a few steps in their direction? Can't you sympathize? Can't you empathize? I do more than that at this point. I've got an idea for a way to stop all this stuff and a way to give parents what they really want, which is information, accurate information as to what is inside the album without providing a stigma for the musicians who have played on the album or the people who sing it or the people who wrote it. And I think that if you listen carefully to this uh, idea, that it might just get by all the constitutional problems and everything else as far as I'm concerned. I have no objection to having all of the lyrics placed on the album routinely all the time. But there is a little problem. Record companies do not own the right automatically to take these lyrics because they're owned by publishing companies. So just as all the rest of the PMRC proposals would cost money, this would cost money too because the record companies would need they, they shouldn't be forced to bear the cost of the extra expenditure to the publisher to print those lyrics. Um, if you consider that the public needs to be warned about the contents of the records, what better way than to let them see exactly what the songs say? That way you don't have to put any kind of, of subjective rating on the record. You don't have to call it R, X, D, A, anything. You can read it for yourself. But in order for it to work properly, the lyrics should be on a uniform kind of a sheet. Maybe even the government could print those sheets. Maybe it should even be paid for by the government if the government is interested in uh, making sure that people have consumer information in this regard. And um, you also have to realize that if a person buys the record and takes it out of the store, once it's out of the store, you can't return it if you read the lyrics at home and decide that little Johnny is not supposed to have it. I, I think that that should at least be considered, and the idea of imposing these ratings on live concerts, on the albums, uh, asking record companies to reevaluate or drop or um, violate contracts that they already have with artists should be thrown out. And that's it all. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much, Mr. Zappa. All right, Kim, uh, what's your uh, take on what Mr. Zappa had to say there? I kind of like his idea about putting the lyrics where the parents can see it, but yet, but the parents have to understand that at that point, once it walks out the door, they cannot return it. So if they don't want their kids listening to this music, then they better damn well look at the lyrics before leaving the store. And it's like, it just all goes back to what I, what I've been saying this whole time. I mean, these, all it is is just basically putting a leash on everyone and everything just because they think that parents need help and want to take most parenting responsibilities away from the parents and put them on someone else. Well, the thing is, is I mean, I, 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 mean, I can understand, you know, I mean, obviously I'm, t I'm speaking from a, from being a 47-year-old person now, you know, um, or almost 47, or what the, whatever, um, from being an adult and also a parent, you know, uh, and now a grandparent, you know, 
I can understand where sometimes, you know, you don't have that opportunity, but, you know, put placing the lyrics, you know, I mean, a sheet of lyrics, you know, like he said, inside the, uh, inside the, uh, the sleeve. Yeah. Or not inside the sleeve, inside the shrink wrap. Um, you know, it would work as far as the publishing companies go. I mean, do, do they get a cut? Uh, I mean, that's the thing I guess I'd have to find out is if they got a cut of every time there's lyrics in an album. Yeah, that's true. They'd have to do more research on it because you'd. I mean, well, I mean, because I mean, I'm, I'm looking back and gosh, almost every album I remember, at least in the 80s, you know, it, not maybe not in the cassettes, but at least, you know, most of the records that came out and most of the CDs did have the lyrics in it. Well, yeah, they did. So, I mean, at that point, do the publishing companies get a cut of of that money? Yeah, that's true. They'd have to, they would have, they would have to look into it to see if the published companies actually are getting a cut of the money. I mean, it's a good idea. And yes, coming from an adult point of view, yeah, you, you need to know what music is out there. You need to know what the lyrics is, but don't depend on someone else to take 90% of your responsibility away in teaching your kids what's out there. Well, yeah, but I mean, and like I said, I mean, times have changed now. Obviously, we we've got more. Um, obviously, you know, you go on, you go on even on iTunes now, and you can see what's rated at, with an E. You know, just like this episode here will be rated an E for explicit. So that right there tells you, well, that song's obviously something's wrong with it, or something. You know, something's in there. You know, but then again, you know, does iTunes? You know, and this is what I'm kind of curious. You know. The parents that allow their kids to have like an iTunes iTunes account, does that iTunes account stop you from purchasing or hearing albums with E with explicit content? You know, yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, and the other question that I have too is: Are the parents really looking no. at their i at their children's iTunes account? To see if they are listening to explicit music. I no. know most parents don't. No, because, I mean, here's the thing is, is most parents don't even know what the hell their kids are texting. Yeah, that's true. They don't. You no, know, and, but um, some of the things I, I found interesting really was right there in the beginning where uh, he was trying to get, you know, somebody pretty much just to back up what Senator, what Senator Hollings did say, um, as we heard, I think, mean, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, when he did talk about it, you know, he he would definitely be in favor of legislating. I mean, he's a, he's the one that actually came straight out and said that if he could find a way to ban it, he would. Yeah, if, he, if he could find a way to constitutionally ban it, he would ban it. Yeah, and so but yeah. but no one was willing to go. Yeah, no, well we can't we can't speak for Senator Hollings, you know. Yeah, and it, then I don't I can't remember which senator that was. I think it was the one sitting right next to Mister Gore um, that started talking about. Well, he you know I think it was a guy that on the Last week's episode where we're, you know, well, are, are you talking about legislation or regulation? And Mrs. Gore, you know, I mean, it's like, like he was trying yeah. to corner her a little bit too. Well, yeah. And I noticed once Frank asked that simple question, oh my gosh, how they just totally beat around the bush like a normal politician. Right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to the uh, question and or question statement period. 
from the committee. This ought to be friggin' interesting. Yeah, it should be. I know, I know I sit there, I know I said that this isn't explicit. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, maybe even the lines he's talked about. I mean, I mean, I guess one other thing I want to talk about real quick is some of the comedy he had that Frank had in there, you know, talking about like whipping up pudding, uh, trying to fix dandruff with decapitation. You know, it, it's just some of the stuff he said was comical. Well, yeah, it was. You know, and I, I, just, I just liked it. I mean, I think it was more of a lighthearted, lightheartedness. Uh-huh. Um, and the fact that, you know, he did, you know, talk about the First Amendment. Now, again, I don't know if this really was a censorship because according to the PMRC, if you guys remember from even two weeks ago, um, or even last week, you know, they didn't want uh, complete censorship. You know, they weren't asking for things to be banned. They weren't asking for it to be stopped. They're just, you know, pretty much asking for a label or a rating system. Now, I agree with him on the rating system where, um, uh, as he was, as he was mentioning there, you know, like with movies, you know, actors are pretending. You know, George Clooney pretended to be Batman. Um, Christian Bell pretended to be Batman. Yeah. Uh, trying to think of some of the, uh, you know, Mark Hamill pretended to be Luke Skywalker. Well, yeah. Carrie Fisher, Fisher pretended to be Princess Leia Organa. Harrison Ford pretended to be Han Solo. He pretended to be Indiana Jones. Well, yeah. You know, when they were done with those movies, you know, they literally went on and they're still Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill. Hamill. Yeah, they were. They weren't, you know, they weren't, even though a lot of us like to put them in that category, especially the Star Wars nuts, and put them that, hey, you know, but it's kind of like, you know, it's like, it, as he was, you know, saying, you know, you're pretty much attacking them. So, you know, like, like it's, you know, like I was saying, you know, Frank was literally pointing out that, Unlike actors, this is attacking the artists themselves. Yes, it is. I will agree with you there. So, other than that, let's go ahead and get on with the uh, the Senate part or the committee part of this where they will ask either their questions to Frank or provide statements to Frank. And if they have any questions, he will answer. And we'll then come back on the other side and provide our comments and our opinions of that, as always, as remember, this is just our opinion. Our opinion. If you have a different opinion, you know how you know what to do. You can let us know via our social media accounts. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the uh, question and answer period of Frank Zappa's Apperson Frank Zappa's testimony. Mr. Zappa, you understand that uh, the uh, the previous witnesses were not asking for legislation and. Uh, I don't know, I can't speak for Senator Hollings, but I think that the prevailing view here is that nobody's asking for legislation. The question is just focusing on what a lot of people perceive to be a problem, and you've indicated that you at least understand that there is another point of view. Yeah, I do And that there are people who think that, you know, parents should have some knowledge of what goes into their home. All along, my objection has been with the tactics used by these people in order to achieve the goal. I just think that the tactics have been really bad. And the whole premise of their proposal, they, they were badly advised in terms of record business law. They were badly advised in terms of practicality or 
they would have known that certain things don't work mechanically with what they su uh, suggested. Senator Gore. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chairman. I found your statement very interesting. And uh, let me say, although I disagree with some of the statements that you make and have made on other occasions, I have been a fan of your music, believe it or not. And I, I uh, respect you as a true original and, and a tremendously talented uh, musician. Your suggestion on uh, printing the lyrics on the album is, is a very interesting one because the uh, PMRC at one point uh, said they would uh, propose either a rating and, or, or warning or printing all the lyrics on the album. And, and the record companies came back and said that they, uh, that, that they didn't want to do that. But I think an awful lot of people agree with, with your suggestion that one easy way to solve this uh, problem for parents would be to put the actual words there yeah. so that uh, parents could, could see them. In fact, the National Association of Broadcasters made exactly the same request of the, of the record company. So yeah. I think your suggestion is, uh, is an intriguing one and might really be a solution for the but problem. But the problem, well, you just have to understand that it does cost money because you can't expect publishers to automatically give up that right, which is a money-earning yeah. right for them. Somebody's going to have to reimburse the publishers. The record industry is going to, without trying to mess up the album jacket art and impose the, that lyrics only be printed on the back. It should be a, a sheet of paper that is slipped inside the shrink wrap that when you take it out, you can still have a complete album package. So there is going to be some extra cost for printing it. But as long as people realize that for this kind of consumer safety, you're going to spend some money, and as long as you can find a way to pay for it, I think that would be the best way to let people know. Well, um, you know, I don't disagree with that at all. And the, uh, the, uh, the, the separate sheet would also solve the problem with the cassettes as well because you don't have the, uh, the space for words on the cassette packs. And I, well, that I would have to be a little accordion fold then. Yeah, it was a, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, or, 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 or just fold it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, a very large percentage of the uh, albums now sold are, are, are sold in cassette form. I've li listened to you uh, a number of times on this uh, issue, and uh, I guess the question that, that, that I really want to get from you is, or, or the, the, uh, the statement that I want to get from you is, is on whether or not you feel that the concern is legitimate, because occasionally you, you feel very strongly about your position. I understand that. Very articulate and forceful. But occasionally you give the impression that you think parents are just silly to, to be concerned at all. That, that well, that's, that's not an accurate impression of Okay, of well, well, please clarify it then. <clears throat> First of all, I think it is the parents' concern. It is not the government's concern. Yeah, they agree with you on that. Well, that doesn't come across in the way they have been speaking. The whole drift that I've gotten, based on the media blitz that has attended the PMRC and its rise to infamy, is that they have a special plan, and it has smelled like legislation up until now. There are too many things that look like hidden agendas involved with this, and I, I'm a parent. I've got four children. Two of them are here. I want them to grow up in a country where they can think what they want to think, be what they want to be, yeah. 
and not what somebody's wife or somebody in government makes them be. I don't want, I don't want to have that, and I don't think you do either. Okay, but, but now you're back, on the, you're, you're back on the other issue, and let me just say briefly on that, that they say repeatedly, no legislation, no regulation, no government action, Certainly sounded pretty clear to me, and okay, as okay. far as a as far as a hidden uh, agenda, you know, I I I don't uh, see one, hear one, or know of one. Okay, let me tell you why I've drawn these conclusions. First of all, they may say we are not interested in legislation, but there are others who do, and because of their project, bad things have happened in this country in the industry. I believe there is actually some liability. Look at this. You have a situation where even if you go for the lyric printed thing in the, the record, because of the tendency among Americans to be copycats, one guy commits a murder, you get a copycat murder, now you've got copycat censors. You've got a very bad situation in San Antonio, Texas right now where they're trying to pass PMRC-type individual ratings and attach them to live concerts with the mayor down there trying to make a national reputation by putting San Antonio on the map as the first city in the United States to have these regulations against the suggestion of the city attorney who says, I don't think this is constitutional. But, you know, there's this fervor to get in and do even more, even more. And the other thing, that the, if the PMRC starts off talking about lyrics, but when they take it over into other realms, when it, they start talking about the videos, in fact, you misspoke yourself at the beginning in your introduction when you were talking about the music does this, the music does that. There is a distinct difference between those notes and the chords and the bass line and the rhythm that supports the words and the lyrics. I don't know whether you really are talking about uh, controlling the type of music that kids hear. So it, just specifically, we're talking about lyrics. It began with lyrics, but even looking at the PMRC fundraising letter in the last paragraph at the bottom of the page, it starts looking like it's branching into other areas when it says, we realize that this material has pervaded other aspects of society. And it's like, what, you're going to fix it all for me? No, I think what they're, I mean, I think they're acknowledging some of the uh, statements by some of their critics who say, well, why, why single out uh, the music industry? But if I could have just uh, uh, half a minute to more, Mr. Chairman. Before you, we got back into that yeah. stuff, you were saying, yes, you, you do believe that there is a legitimate concern. Yeah, but the legitimate concern is a matter of taste on the, uh, for the individual parent and how much sexual information that parent wants to give their child at what age, at what time, in what quantity, okay? And I think that because there is a tendency in the United States to hide sex, which I think is an unhealthy thing to do, and many parents do not give their children good sexual education in spite of the fact that little books for kids are available and other parents demand that sexual education be taken out of school, it makes the child vulnerable because if you don't have something rational to compare it to, when you see or hear about something that is aberrated, you do not perceive it as an aberration. Yeah. Okay? Okay, I've run out of time. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Rockefeller. Senator Gordon. Mr. Zappa, I... Uh, I'm astounded at the uh, courtesy and soft-voiced uh, nature of the comments of my friend, the senator from Tennessee. I can only say that I found your statement to be boorish, uh, <clears throat> incredibly and uh, insensitively insulting to the people who were here previously. 
that you could manage to give the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States a bad name if I felt that you had the slightest understanding of it, which I do not. You don't have the slightest understanding of the difference between government action and private action. And uh, you have certainly destroyed any case you might otherwise have had with this senator. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Is this private action? that I never heard any of your music to my novel. I, I would be more than happy to recite my lyrics to you. Uh, can we forego that? You, you, you probably never heard of the Mothers of Invention. I have heard uh, of uh, Glenn Miller and Mitch Miller. Did you ever perform with them? As a matter of fact, I took music lessons in uh, grade school from Mitch Miller's brother. First sign of hope we've had in this <laughs> let's, let's try and get down to a fundamental question here that I'd like to ask you, Mr. Zappa. Do you believe that parents have the right and the obligation to mold the psychological development of their children? Yeah, I think they have that right, and I also think they have that obligation. Do you see any uh, extreme difficulty in carrying out those obligations for a parent by material falling into the hands of uh, their children uh, over which they have little or no control? Well, one of the things that has been brought up before is um, talking about very young children getting access to the material that they've been showing here today. And what I've said to that in the past is, a teenager may go into a record store unescorted with 898 in his pocket, but very young children do not. If they go into a record store, the 898 is in mom's pocket or dad's pocket, and they can always say, Johnny, buy a book. They can say, Johnny, buy instrumental music. There's some nice classical music here for you. Why don't you listen to that? The parent can um, ask the, or, or guide the child in another direction, away from Sheena Easton, Prince, or whoever else you've been complaining about. There's always that possibility. As I understand it uh, from uh, your testimony, and uh, uh, once again, I want to emphasize that I, I see nothing wrong whatsoever. In fact, I salute the ladies for bringing uh, this to the attention of the public uh, as best they see fit. And I, I think you could tell from my testimony that I tend to agree with them, but I want to be very careful that we don't overstep our bounds and try and meet I emphasize once again telling somebody else what they should see. So I'm primarily worried about, about children. It seems to me from your statement that you have no obligation or no objection whatsoever uh, to printing uh, lyrics uh, if that would be legally possible or tech, uh, from the standpoint of uh, having the room to do that on uh, record or tapes. Isn't that what you said? I think it would be advisable for two reasons. One. Um, it gives people one of the things that they've been asking for. It gives them that type of consumer protection because if you can read the English language and you can see the lyrics on the back, you have no excuse for complaint if you take the record out of the store. And also, I think that the record industry has been damaged, has been given a very bad rap by this whole situation because it's been indicated or attempt, people have attempted to indicate 
that there is so much of this kind of material that people object to in the industry that that's what the industry is. It is not that at all. Some of the albums that have been selected for abuse here are obscure. Some of them are already several years old. And I think that a lot of deep digging was done in order to come up with the uh, song about the anal vapors or whatever it was that they were talking about before. So if I understand you, you're, you're, you would be in support of printing uh, the lyrics, but you are adamantly opposed to any kind of a rating system. Is I'm that correct? I'm opposed to the rating system because, as I said, if you put a rating on uh, the, the record, it goes directly to the character of the person who made the record. Whereas if you rate a film, a guy who is in the film has been hired as an actor, he's pretending, you rate the film, whatever it is, it doesn't hurt him. But uh, whether you like what's on the record or not, the guy who made it, that's his art. And to stigmatize him is not fair. Well, likewise, if you're primarily concerned about the artists, uh, is it not true that uh, for many, many years we have had uh, ratings of, uh, of uh, movies uh, with uh, indications as to the sexual content of movies, and that has been, as near as I can tell, a voluntary action on the part of the actors in the movies and uh, the producers of the movie and the distributors. Uh, that seems to have well, worked reasonably well. What, what is wrong with that? Well, first of all, it, is, it replaced something that was far more restrictive, which was the Hayes office. And as far as that being voluntary, a per, there are people who wish they did not have to rate their film. They still object to rating their films, but the reason the ratings go on is because if they're not rated, they won't get distributed or showed in theaters. So there is a little bit of pressure involved there. And, but, but, but still, I, there is no stigma on the person. The government, the government does not require that. that uh, that's what I, the point I'm trying to make is, yeah. and uh, while I think these hearings uh, should not have been held if we're not considering legislation or regulations at this time, I emphasized earlier that they might follow. I simply want to say to you that I suspect that unless the industry, quote, cleans up their act, and I use that end quote word again, uh, there's likely to be legislation. It seems to me that it would not be too far removed from reality or too offensive to anyone if you could follow the general guidelines, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, that uh, are now in place with regard to the movie industry. Well, I would object to that. I think that, uh, first of all, I believe it was you who asked the question of uh, Mrs. Gore whether there was any other indication on the album as to the contents. And I would say that a buzzsaw blade between a guy's legs on the album cover is a good indication that it's not for little Johnny. <laughs> and I don't believe I answered that question, but the point that you've made is a good one because if that should not go to little mind, I think there should be at least some minimal activity uh, or attempt on the part of the producers and the distributors and indeed uh, possibly the performers to see that that does not get to that little mind. Mr. Chairman, thank you very much. Mr. Zappa, I apologize for coming back in late, but I'm just hearing the latter part of it. I, I hear that you say that perhaps we could print the words, and I think that's a good suggestion, but it is unfair to have it rated. Now, it's not considered unfair in the movie industry, and I want you to elaborate. I don't want to belabor you, but why is it unfair? I mean, it's, it's accurate, isn't it? I mean, Well, I don't know whether it is accurate because they sometimes have trouble deciding how a film gets to be an X or an R or whatever, and uh, you have two problems. One is the, the quantity of material, 325 films per year versus 25,000 four-minute songs per year, okay? 
You also have the problem that an album is a compilation of different types of cuts. If one song on the album is sexually explicit and all the rest of it sounds like Pat Boone, what do you get on the album? How are you going to rate it? You know, there are little technical difficulties here. And also you have the problem of having somebody in the position of deciding what's good, what's bad, what's talking about the devil, what's too violent, and, you know, and the rest of that stuff. But the point that I've made before is that when you rate the album, you're rating the individual because he takes personal responsibility for the music. And in the movies, the actors who are performing in the movie, uh, it doesn't hurt them. Well, very good. I, uh, I think the actual printing of the uh, content itself is perhaps even better than reading. Let everyone else decide for themselves. I think you should leave it up to the parent because not all parents want to keep their children totally ignorant. Well, what, yeah, you and I would differ on what's ignorance and educated. I can see that, but... Uh, no, I happen to think I, that I you're can't very educated. I can't complain if it was there and they see what they're buying, and mm -hmm. I think that would be a step in the right direction, but as Senator Exxon has pointed out, uh, whereby the primary movers here in this particular regard are not looking for legislation or regulations, uh, that's our function. And uh, to be perfectly candid with you, I would look for regulations, uh, some kind of uh, legislation, if it could be constitutionally accomplished, uh, unless, of course, we have these initiatives from the industry itself. And I think your suggestion is a good one that they print those words. That would go a long way to satisfying everyone's objections. I All think. we have to do is find out how it's going to be paid for. Good enough. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Hawkins. Four children? Yes. Pardon me? Four children. Four children. Have you ever purchased toys for those children? No, my wife does. Well, I might tell you that if you were to go in a toy store, which is very educational for fathers, by the way, it's not a maternal responsibility to buy toys for children, that you may look on the box, and the box says this is suitable for five to seven years of age or 8 to 15 or 15 and above to give you some guidance for a toy for a child. Do you object to that? In a way, I do, because that means that somebody in an office someplace is tell making a decision about how smart my child is. <laughs> I'd be interested to see what toys your kids ever had. Why would you be interested? Just as a point of interest in this. Uh, well, come on over to the house. I'll show them to you. <laughs> really? I, I might do that. Have you ever made? Do you make a profit from uh, sales of rock records? Yes. So you do make a profit from yes. sales of rock records. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I think that statement tells the story to this committee. Thank you. Mr. Zappa, thank you very much for your testimony. Thank you. All right, Kim. So what did you take from all that funness? <clears throat> that one, Senator, I want to just... Which one? Okay. The um, one that was pointing out the Constitution and thinking that he knows Gort everything about... Gorton. Yeah. Thinking he knows everything about the Constitution. Oh, God, no kidding, right? Oh, that just drove me up a wall. And then 
then the last one before the ignorant senator senator hawkins came in uh, that was hollings. hollings hollings came in he came in um and pretty much asked the same damn question that uh uh, I believe it was Senator Exxon asked too. So it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, I understand you just came in, but isn't that what you have people for? You know. Um, anyway, so go ahead. I just think it was ridiculous because it just the. I'm sorry. It it wasn't just back then. Oh, I'm sorry for peeking. It was. It's also today. But those senators think they quote unquote know the law, know the Constitution. And they, they exactly, that was my point. They don't know shit. And it just irritated me. And then it's like, okay, you're constantly saying you don't want to let do legislation. You're constantly saying throughout this complete hearing up to this point that you're not interested in doing anything about it. Then why the hell don't you just leave it at what it is? Exactly, and again, we're we're right back to that 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 same old adage. I mean, well, if it's okay for the movies, why isn't it okay for music? And I think Frank pointed out right there, you know, you have one song that's sexually got sexual content on it, and the rest of it sounds like Pat Boone, or yeah. or even list today, let's you know use you know you know or it sounds like Kenny G. Well, well, does the whole album really need to get that? that stamping of, you know, a parental advisory or be marked as sexual or, you know, if, if that case, if you're using a radio system, if you use the same one they use for uh, the movies, does it get an R rating automatically? Yeah, exactly. You know, if exactly. one song has the word fuck, does it automatically get an R rating? Yeah, exactly. When the rest you of know? them don't have, don't have the word fuck in it. Right. Or, or, or if you're talking about the, you know, Satanism, or if you're talking drugs and alcohol, or if you're talking, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but maybe we should start rating Christian Christian albums. You know, maybe, maybe they should be rated R2 because they talk about uh, religion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyways, uh, that, that was kind of, that was just a, uh, that was one of those things I remember talking about back then. Yeah. I mean, I, I had nothing against Christian music, well, Christian rock or stuff, because I mean, I love, I love I love the music that Striper put out. So, yeah, I don't either. And then the other thing, and this will be my last comment on this because it looks like we're running. No, over. Yeah, we ain't running over nothing. There ain't no such thing as running over. That's we're not three hours. That's true. When that ignorant, idiotic Senator Hawkins came in and asked if he bought toys for his children, and he said no. And then she made it sound like he was in the wrong because he was because his wife is the one that buys the toys. Well, excuse me, lady, I am working. My wife usually stays home with the kids. Anyway, I think well, Frank Zappa's it, wife did. But let alone right. tell, let alone be condescending toward him. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, hold on. Let's let's let, let me let me ask you this question. Okay. Obviously, me and you were born in the 70s. Yes, we were. Which means our parents were pretty much born in the end of the 40s to the early 50s. Yes, they were. Okay. So let me ask you this question, Kim. And you can answer, you know, please, hopefully you will answer it the best you can. And when you went 
to the store or when mom or your father went to the store, who was the one that chose the toys for you? It was a, it was actually when both of when I was with my parents, they would let us choose our own toys. The only time that we didn't choose our toys was around Christmas time. And then we just gave them a list of what we were interested in. Right. But, but most of the time, who's the one probably picked up the toys? It was probably mom. Dad was there once in a while, depending right. on if he had to work or if it was on a day off. Then, yes, he would load us all up and go to Elko or go to Reno and help mom with the purchases. Right. But other than that, most of the time, our fathers were at work. Yeah. Our mothers were home taking care of us. Yeah. You know, taking care of the home while dad was at work and while the kids were at school. Sometimes mom, I mean, I remember times my mom went to Winnemucca or Elko to do the look, the weekly shopping. And guess what? Yeah. Once in a while she brought home a toy. You know, I, I, I mean, I know the toys, yes, they do have age groupings on them, but it's like Mr. Zappas said there, you know, okay. So some guy, somebody in a friggin' office building is telling me how smart my, my kid is supposed to be. Well, yeah, that's true. And that's what but, I was getting at with okay. Senator Hawkins right, right. sounding but, condescending but, towards well, him. Well, she was being condescending to him because she feels that he, I mean, you got to remember this, the early 80s, you know, they're start, you know, we've already gone through uh, the women's lib stuff, you know, women's liberation, the feminism part where women were, you know, starting to, you know, come out in the work workplace, you know, and being you know, productive in society, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm down with that. You know, you know, that their choice, you know, if, if and that's the thing is, you know, and, and this is where I kind of get pissed off with feminine feminists even, even today is, but they will put down women who stay home. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like, okay, well they don't choose to follow, you know, they don't choose to follow your soup. They want to, you know, have that technically quote unquote traditional household where, the husband work and the wife stays home and takes care of the house and takes care of the kids. That is their friggin' choice. Anyways, we're not going political on this damn show. No, we're, we're trying not. not to. You know, we are talking about a Senate hearing, which is really going political. So I do apologize. Um, and but the main thing is is and I, I'm happy he shoved it out there again because you know what? I'm sorry. When it comes to censorship of music, it comes to the sh- parental advisory bullshit. You know, I'm sorry, and I'm going to say this over and over and over again. It always reverts back to Christianity. I don't understand why Christians have such a fucking problem with trying to actually regulate their own households without fucking government involvement. Yeah, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. All right. Um, other than that, you know, there were some, um, obviously, some questionable moments there especially mr gore pointing out that he has heard frank zappa and actually he just kind of proved it a little bit there when the one the one guy said i don't think i've ever heard of you and he said oh you never heard and mr gore said you never heard of the mothers of invention that is actually something to do with frank um i can honestly say i've never listened to any frank's music so i don't know Uh frank's music myself uh-huh. Um, mainly because I have no, I didn't have any friends that were listening to Frank Zappa. Uh-huh. Um, I knew his son Dweezil, or I didn't know him personally, but I knew of his at least one album, um, cassette tape that I had. If my gu- guitar wants to kill your mama, which I find out is actually a Frank Frank's song. Oh wow! So, 
that's kind of cool. So I figured since I like that one, I must probably will like some of Frank's stuff. Obviously, one of these days I will have to start, li- you know, listen to some of Frank's stuff just so I can see if I really like it. But other than that, I mean, it, as far as, I mean, it's just funny how one senator will ask one freaking question and then, you know, here comes the next one and he asks the same effing question. Yeah, you but mean, in a different you know, way. I mean, in a different way. It was the same goddamn thing. Yeah, but you know, it was it was all about, you know, well, nobody's have a rating system. Well, yeah. And then there's some senators that will actually reword the question, you know, and, which drives me nuts. And as far as that one Gorton Senator Gorton goes, if he thinks that Frank was being offensive or disgusting or whatever, rude to Tipper and the rest of the Washington wives, I'm sorry. He wasn't. I mean, call him. Call, you know, call it what it is. Call, call, I mean, a duck's a duck. Call it exactly what it is. Yeah, but, I mean, he wasn't being rude about it, so no, I don't know where the hell wasn't. this guy, well, you lost all credibility with this senator. Well, then fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was, You know, I'm happy I've never had to be, like, guy in front of the senator. Because I'll tell you one thing, right? I would not bell handle what they fucking, what they put people through because, and I'm going to say this, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. But, honestly, I would look at every fucking senator, tell them to fuck off and die. Well, yeah. And in the words of fucking Kiss, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, um, Eric Carr, burn, bitch, burn. Exactly. Let's get out of here. All right. Sounds good. In closing, we would like to thank you all for downloading this episode. If you are a new listener and haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Please click that subscribe button. If you subscribe, you will be noted notified when a new episode becomes available another way to help our podcast is by giving us a five-star review it will help new listeners find this show when they are looking for a new podcast to listen to also you our listeners can share this show on your own social media accounts to help spread the word about the podcast thanks again to all our current and longtime listeners station break so you guys heard her chuckle right there. So what happened was is I've I've got the screen back up that has the script of the show. And all of a sudden I hit the scroll button on you know, the little mouse wheel. And I heard it scroll it down as she's reading past what the hell she's reading. And I heard it went back and I started laughing because it's like, holy crap, you know, hopefully I didn't screw her up too bad. And that's why she started listening or started laughing. So I, I apologize for for my mistake there, so, but anyways, Used and Abused can be found on the following social media platforms. Twitter, at Used Abused Pod. Facebook, at Used Abused Pod. Tumblr, Used Abused Pod. Instagram, Used and Abused Pod. YouTube, Used and Abused Pod. And our email, Used and Abused Pod at gmail.com. And it's spelled out A-N-D, in case I didn't say it on the Instagram. And is spelled out there on Used and Abused Pod, and that is A N D. As always, all social media links will be included in the description of each and every episode, so you can always click on those links as well. We can be found on the following podcast apps and directories Anchor, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Pocket, Pocket Casts, Overcast. Breaker, Castbox, Radio Public, Spotify, TuneIn, 
and Stitcher. Please rate and review Use and Abuse a Music Podcast. And until that next episode, have a great weekend and a great work week. Be kind to everyone and keep the music playing. playing.